Section 16 of The Art of Worldly Wisdom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Art of Worldly Wisdom by Balthasar Gracian. Translated by Joseph Jacobs. Section 16. 131. Nobility of Feeling There is a certain distinction of the soul, a high-mindedness prompting to gallant acts, that gives an air of grace to the whole character. It is not found often, for it presupposes great magnanimity. Its chief characteristic is to speak well of an enemy, and to act even better towards him. It shines brightest when a chance comes of revenge. Not alone does it let the occasion pass, but it improves it by using a complete victory in order to display unexpected generosity. Tis a fine stroke of policy, nay, the very acme of statecraft. It makes no pretense to victory, for it pretends to nothing, and, while obtaining its deserts, it conceals its merits. 132. Revise Your Judgments To appeal to an inner court of revision makes things safe. Especially when the course of action is not clear, you gain time either to confirm or improve your decision. It affords new grounds for strengthening or corroborating your judgment. And, if it is a matter of giving, the gift is the more valued from its being evidently well considered than for being promptly bestowed. Long expected is highest prized. And if you have to deny, you gain time to decide how and when to mature the no, that it may be made palatable. Besides, after the first heat of desire is past, the repulse of refusal is felt less keenly in cold blood. But especially when men press for a reply, is it best to defer it, for as often as not that is only a feint to disarm a tension. 133. Better mad with the rest of the world than wise alone. So say politicians. If all are so, one is no worse off than the rest, whereas solitary wisdom passes for folly. So important is it to sail with the stream. The greatest wisdom often consists in ignorance or the pretense of it. One has to live with others, and others are mostly ignorant. To live entirely alone, one must be very like a god or quite like a wild beast. But I would turn the aphorism by saying, Better be wise with the many than a fool all alone. There may be some, too, who seek to be original by seeking chimeras. 134. Double Your Resources you thereby double your life. One must not depend on one thing or trust to only one resource, however preeminent. Everything should be kept double, especially the causes of success, of favour, or of esteem. 
The moon's mutability transcends everything and gives a limit to all existence, especially of things dependent on human will, the most brittle of all things. To guard against this inconstancy should be the sage's care, and for this the chief rule of life is to keep a double store of good and useful qualities. Thus, as nature gives us in duplicate the most important of our limbs and those most exposed to risk, so art should deal with the qualities on which we depend for success. 135. Do not nourish the spirit of contradiction. It only proves you foolish or peevish, and prudence should guard against this strenuously. To find difficulties in everything may prove you clever, but such wrangling writes you down a fool. Such folk make a mimic war out of the most pleasant conversation, and in this way act as enemies towards their associates, rather than towards those with whom they do not consort. Grit grates most in delicacies, and so does contradiction in amusement. They are both foolish and cruel who yoke together the wild beast and the tame. 136. Post yourself in the centre of things, so you feel the pulse of affairs. Many lose their way either in the ramifications of useless discussion or in the brushwood of wearisome verbosity without ever realising the real matter at issue. They go over a single point a hundred times, wearing themselves and others, and yet never touch the all-important centre or affairs. This comes from a confusion of mind from which they cannot extricate themselves. They waste time and patience on matters they should leave alone, and cannot spare them afterwards for what they have left alone. 137. The sage should be self-sufficing. He that was all in all to himself carried all with him when he carried himself. If a universal friend can represent to us Rome and the rest of the world, let a man be his own universal friend, and then he is in a position to live alone. Whom could such a man want if there is no clearer intellect or finer taste than his own? He would then depend on himself alone, which is the highest happiness and like the supreme being. He that can live alone resembles the brute beast in nothing, the sage in much, and God in everything. 138 the art of letting things alone. The more so, the wilder the waves of public or of private life. There are hurricanes in human affairs, tempests of passion, when it is wise to retire to a harbour and ride at anchor. Remedies often make diseases worse. In such cases, one has to leave them to their natural course and the moral suasion of time.
It takes a wise doctor to know when not to prescribe, and at times the greatest skill consists in not applying remedies. The proper way to still the storms of the vulgar is to hold your hand and let them calm down of themselves. To give way now is to conquer by and by. A fountain gets muddy with but little stirring up, and does not get clear by our meddling with it, but by our leaving it alone. The best remedy for disturbances is to let them run their course, for so they quiet down. 139. Recognize Unlucky Days They exist. Nothing goes well on them, even though the game may be changed, the ill luck remains. Two tries should be enough to tell if one is in luck today or not. Everything is in process of change, even the mind, and no one is always wise. Chance has something to say, even how to write a good letter. All perfection turns on the time, even beauty has its hours. Even wisdom fails at times by doing too much or too little. To turn out well, a thing must be done on its own day. This is why, with some, everything turns out ill. With others, all goes well, even with less trouble. They find everything ready, their wit prompt, their presiding genius favorable, their lucky star in the ascendant. At such times one must seize the occasion and not throw away the slightest chance. But a shrewd person will not decide on the day's luck by a single piece of good or bad fortune, for the one may be only a lucky chance and the other only a slight annoyance. 140. Find the good in a thing at once. "'Tis the advantage of good taste. "'The bee goes to the honey for her comb, "'the serpent to the gall for its venom. "'So with taste. "'Some seek the good, others the ill. "'There is nothing that has no good in it, "'especially in books, as giving food for thought. "'But many have such a scent that amid a thousand excellences "'they fix upon a single defect and single it out for blame, "'as if they were the scavengers of men's minds and hearts. "'So they draw up a balance-sheet of defects "'which does more credit to their bad taste than to their intelligence.' They lead a sad life, nourishing themselves on bitters and battening on garbage. They have the luckier taste, who, midst a thousand defects, seize upon a single beauty they may have hit upon by chance. End of section 16